Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron's Sportsbook Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. Ellen and Aaron. And a pleasant good evening to everybody tonight. It is uh, Friday, July 30th, 2021, our final show for the month of July 2021. And today we got a lot of news to get to. It's the Major League Baseball trade deadline edition of the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio podcast. And, of course, I am one of the two hosts on the program, Aaron, and my good buddy Allen is joining us here tonight as well. Allen, good evening. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Good evening to you as well. I'm glad to be here. Glad that you're here. Nice to nice to be back in live and color to have Aaron back. Good to be back. Uh, spent a few weeks uh, on the road. Uh, was in uh, Tennessee for uh, about eight or nine days. Uh, Atlanta for a little bit. Um, and many of you probably saw on our Facebook page, um, I actually got a chance to Spent some time with uh, one of our uh, previous guests, uh, Tyler Redmond, here. That was uh, a week ago Wednesday, and um, didn't realize how short he was till I met him. So, <laughs> um, but uh, good, good to be back nonetheless. Uh, got to see a lot of neat things. Uh, caught some ball games, uh, minor league and major league, and uh, got to do some traveling to parts of the country that I'd uh, not been to in quite a long time. And um, beautiful part of the country uh, for sure. So. Uh, Alan, we got a lot to get to here tonight. We have some big topics. Uh, the big news of the day and of the last several days has been uh, the Major League Baseball trade deadline, which normally occurs on the uh, 31st of July this year for whatever reason. Baseball is just doing its own crazy thing now. They decided to do the trade deadline on the 30th. Uh, I guess it's a weekday. I don't really know exactly why, but I tell you what, there were some big, big trades made uh, yesterday, and I believe the day before there was one, and then of course uh, here, uh, here today. Your Yankees uh, have certainly improved. They uh, went out and got uh, uh, Joey Gallo from the Rangers. I believe that was yesterday, and then today they swung a move. Or it might have been last night, uh, late last night. They got Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs. So they've certainly improved uh, their offense. And then I think they missed out on some pretty good opportunities for some pitching. What, what are your thoughts on where um, where things went with the Yankees here uh, as of the last few days? No, you're absolutely right. It, it seemed as if they did make some some big moves. They they did like you said, like they used to doing, and that's um, adding bats and really really need help in the pitching area. I mean, the Rays scored 14 runs on them just the you know, a few days ago. You know, and that's with the Yankees, you know, I'm, I'm happy they got the players they got. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that, like you said, they really needed some help in the pitching department to kind of help out their rotation. And I was really surprised they didn't pick up somebody that could help them in that regard. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm on the, the moves, quite frankly. What are your thoughts on them? Well, I, I think, uh, I mean, you think about the short porch in right field. You know, I mean, Yankee Stadium now, even though it's the new stadium, is the same dimensions as, you know, Yankee Stadium in uh, 
you know, the original uh, ballpark, of course. So uh, you think about two hitters that are pretty much pool hitters to the most part. They're going to be guys that are going to hit the ball out of the park. And that's, that's one of the things the Yankees were looking for. They've had some inconsistent play at first base the last couple of years. So it made sense uh, from that perspective to go out and get players of the caliber they got. And I think, uh, I think that Gallo is a player who will probably be there longer. I believe Rizzo's contract is up after this season. So he can test free agency. You know, it's a good thing for the Yankees in a sense, whether they make the playoffs this year or not, because when you bring in a player like Anthony Rizzo, who's a free agent after the season's over, you have a better chance, I think, at re-signing him after the season because he's going to get his feet wet with what it's like to play in New York, whether he likes it or not. And if he likes it and you can convince him to stay, well, you've already given him that two-month trial run. And if he doesn't like it, and that's you know, totally what he decides to do from there, he could say, you know, I'd, I'd prefer to play somewhere, maybe a smaller market. So um, the puzzling thing to me is, you know, the Yankees have had so much issues. Yeah, their offense has had blunders this year. They haven't been able to keep their big bats healthy. It's just been an all-around bad year for, for, for the Bronx Bombers. I mean, and who would have thought that in a year – you know, where you looked at this team on paper, which you don't win it on paper, of course, but coming into the season, and I picked them to win the World Series, or to go to the World Series this year. I picked them to win the American League. So um, it, it's really hard. The game is not played on paper. That's why you got to play those 162 games during the season. And to this point, I would say they've probably been one of the more disappointing teams. And I, I do kind of find it puzzling that it didn't really go out and address to me, the bigger issue, which was the pitching side of things, like you were saying there a second ago, I, I would have thought that would have been, you know, miles of being more important than the bats they ended up getting. Yeah, you're right. And you make the right points. It's, it's always nice when you go to a team and you kind of get there, you get out, to see if it's going to work for you. Because playing New York with the media, that you get, the criticism that you get, you always thought, why did everybody handle it? And it's good that he kind of gets his feet wet. And then you're right. If someone enjoys it, you have a better chance. Alan and Aaron Sports Show, we, we talked about it before, and I even mentioned it, that as much as I, you know, I'm a huge Yankee fan, just the other day, I, you know, I went to the top of the golf course, and the guy noticed my Yankee, you know, sign in front of my, my, my vehicle, and he said, man, the Yankee's not doing good. I I, he agreed with me. I said, you know what? I told it on my show here several times. The Yankees do not have the best team in the AL East. They're getting what they deserve. They're eight and a half games back. And, I, you know, I said it earlier, they just, as you mentioned, they added some bats, which is great, but you needed help in pitching. You definitely need help with pitching. Garrett Cole has been kind of up and down. And they didn't address the issues that they needed. And they're just, you know, for me, for me, they're just definitely getting what they deserve. They're not the best team in the AL East. The Red Sox and the Rays are, I feel, much better teams. And I just feel as if the Yankees are going to be doing what they're doing and going to be outside in, looking in. I don't, I don't see them coming in too close to be a real contender towards the standard stretch. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree there, and I'm not even sure they're the third best team in the American League East right now. I think that the the uh, the Blue Jays. I mean, uh, I don't know where they are in the standings exactly. I'm going to have to look that up here. But 
I think even Toronto with the because Toronto got uh, Toronto got one of the big pitchers that was out there today in uh, in a trade or late last night in the trade. So, um, you know, it's 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 one of those things where it's just a it's a weird world, and, and baseball sometimes does things that you don't expect it to have. And you know, looking at it right now, uh, Toronto is only a game behind New York for third place in the AL East. And really, the thing is, there's only two teams, uh, or there's only uh, two wild cards that are going to get in. And if you look at it this way at the standings right now, I'm looking at the wild card currently. And let's see here, AL. So it's the two second place teams with the best record that would get in. So right now, New York uh, is uh, the third best wild card team, if you will. And they are basically at this point behind. Oakland, you do this math here real quick, five. They're three and a half games back of the second wild card spot. So they're they're within striking distance, but they're going to have to really, really work extremely hard to, to get things to happen. And those other teams, I mean, a lot of the contenders made trades to get better. And let me just kind of scroll through. This might take a few moments, folks. I'm going to scroll through the trades that were made in the last 24 hours. And I'm probably going to miss a few because there was so much activity this year that it's almost impossible to to catch it all. Dodgers, they're the Yankees of, of this century at this point with all the money they're spending. They went out and got Danny Duffy from Kansas City, starting pitcher. They got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Nationals. Um, so they have really put themselves in a really, really good spot. I know San Diego also ended up with um, with a pitcher. He'll come across my screen here in a moment. Um, you know, the Cubs and the Nationals are going to look a com- completely different team. Uh, the rosters are completely shaken up here um, at this point. The uh, Blue Jays got the uh, young pitcher from – Minnesota, Jose Barrios. Um, a lot of teams are really trying to pry him away from Minnesota. Uh, the Braves, they picked up uh, a whole bunch of players. Uh, this is all stuff that happened within the last uh, 10 to 12 hours. They got a couple of outfielders, actually three outfielders. They got Eddie uh, Rosario from Cleveland. Uh, they got um, Adam Duvall back uh, from the Marlins. They got Jorge Soler from the uh, Kansas City Royals. They picked up Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates as a relief pitcher, so that helps them out. Um, uh, the uh, Brewers got Daniel Norris from the Tigers. I mean, this list is so long here to go through everything. Craig Kimbrell got traded to the White Sox. He goes across from one side of Chicago to the other. Um, Kyle Gibson, the pitcher, went to the, the Phillies. And I just need to catch my breath here for a second. Uh, <laughs> so much to, to go through here. Um and then, of course, uh, let's see, other big moves were made. I'm literally scrolling through about three pages here of of stuff. Yeah. Chris Bryant got traded to the Giants. That was a not a surprise, but maybe a maybe the surprise destination that he went there. Um, and then uh, let's see, uh, Jay Happ got traded to the Cardinals. That's probably not a uh, much as much of a headline, but it's a good move. Um, and then, uh, let's see, there's a couple of small moves that weren't really noteworthy, in my opinion. Um, not anything that I would really be, you know, overly uh, 
you know, overly flashy, if you will. So um, Freddie Galvis went to the Phillies. That's a pretty good move, too. That puts the Phillies in a pretty good spot. And then uh, the Giants got a, a relief pitcher in Tony Watson from the uh, Anaheim Angels. And probably the biggest uh, move recently, I think there's one other one that I may have missed here. Um, oh, the Yankees did get a pitcher. They got Andrew Haney from uh, from the Angels. He's a reliever. And relief pitching is such a such a, a, a valuable thing nowadays. So, Yeah, it is. And I'm glad that they did pick him. One thing I did want to mention while you're going through the list there is uh, this word uh, Gallo will be wearing the number 13 for the Yankees. And if, <laughs> for those who don't know, the 13 is, is Alex Rodriguez's number. That's that's a little shocking. I mean, he's coming to New York wearing number 13. Regardless of whether you want attention or not, just making that move to wear that jersey is going to put you on the front page in New York City. Well, and you think about it this way too. Yeah. Look at all the look at all the numbers they've retired in in New York. I mean, they, there's not a whole lot left for them to to uh, you know to assign at this point. Let's be honest here. I mean, look how many players have worn uh, 24 and 25 over the years that were you know Hall of Fame caliber players. Uh, Mark Teixeira wore 25, and I think uh, um, I can't remember who's wearing it now. Uh, it might be Glaber Torres. Um, you know. It's hard. It's hard at this point because they have, I think, twenty numbers or twenty-five numbers that are retired. You only have seventy-five to choose from. So, when <laughs> <laughs> Alex Rodriguez says no, that's that's very interesting that uh, he would choose that particular number. I know that just there's there's a lot taken, but there is quite a few that's available. And man, you you're pretty much stepping right into the spotlight at big time, you know, right there in New York City making that splash. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a few other moves that were made that were pretty big today. Um, you know, the the Nationals, uh, again, they basically tore their roster down. They traded uh, Kyle Schwarber to the Red Sox. Uh, John Lester went to the Cardinals. The Mets improved by getting uh, Javier Baez from the Cubs. Um, and then um, let's see. There was one or two other moves that I noticed here. Talked about Chris Bryant to the Giants. I think that yeah, might be about it there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you saw his reaction. It like he got really emotional. It's just it's amazing that you can get a trade right in the middle, right before, right during a game. Well. You remember, uh, was it um, was an outfielder who played for the Tigers? Uh, last name was Jackson. I can't remember his first name off the top of my head. But in, uh, I want to say, 2013 or 2014, he got traded in the middle of a game when he was with the Tigers, and they actually pulled him off the field, and he ended up going uh, to the Yankees in that trade. So that happens. You see guys get moved. And I, I actually remember back into the 90s um, at the trade deadline of 1998, Randy Johnson got traded from the Mariners to the Astros. He was with them for a couple months and into the playoffs. And I remember the the headline on Baseball Tonight on ESPN. You see, you know, player or manager, whoever it is, go over to Randy Johnson and tell him, hey, you've been traded. And he kind of had this, you know, look on his face like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this happened. So it does happen. It's, it's something that does occur. It does. You know, it just, it's just going to be weird to see him not in uh... – 
playing for the Cubs anymore. It's just, it's, I mean, it's, it just, it's just weird to see it happen right in the middle of the game. Yeah, yeah. Trade deadlines are always uh, interesting, and I, I kind of knew coming into this week, and uh, you know, I talked to, to Tyler Redmond um, a little bit, text, texting him with him the last few days, and you know, we were kind of thinking there's going to be a lot of movement. And I tell you what, I've been watching the trade deadline very closely every year since I was a kid. And this is the most I've seen uh, of moves that were made in one, you know, one year like this that, that have ever happened. This my election have ever happened. So, um, you know, we'll know in the next two months whether these trades worked out, you know, for certain teams. Uh, obviously, I think both you and I are fairly happy with uh, with what our teams did. And I think that, you know, you look at the teams that are at the top right now, you look at the Mets, they certainly improved big time in the National League East. And, of course, the Red Sox improved pretty well over in the AL East by getting a couple players that they picked up. So we will see how things uh, progress. And, uh, you know, keeping our focus on baseball, earlier this week or it may have been last week, the Cleveland Indians, after 100 years or so of having the Indians as their, uh, their team name, they did finally announce that they're going to become the Cleveland Guardians. So I wanted to, to hear your take on uh, on the uh, Indians changing their name. You know, I think it was long overdue. I, I just – I understand where people are saying, oh, just keep the name. Unfortunately, the name Cleveland Indians is offensive to people. I mean, it's it's – you know, it is what it is, but I think it was a great move for them to change the name. And I actually think the name sounds pretty good, the Cleveland Guardians. It's not a major change like when you hear it from Indians to Guardians. But you know what? If if people are offended by your name and it, it comes a voice that quite often over the, the years, it is a good opportunity for you to change it. And usually you get good karma. So what happened with the Rays? When they changed, they took the Devil Rays out to change to the Rays. I think a name change is a great thing that people should really embrace. I think it's a good move that Cleveland did the right thing and changed the name. You know, I mean, it, I know people try to brush it over, like, because of the cost and the changing the, the not only name, you have to change, of course, your logo, but you know what? It's it's for the greater good. I think it's a great thing they changed the name, and it's really something they should have done sooner. But better late than never. I I applaud them for changing to the Cleveland Guardians. I'm actually interested in in hearing your thoughts on it. Well, I think we have different differing opinions on the, the change of the name. I'll look at it from this perspective. And I remember we had Jeff Hague on here back in I believe late December, early January, and he of course had played in the Indians farm system uh, back in the early to mid '90s. So we've kind of had a – this is kind of the topic of this coming full circle now with the change being made. I look at all the names that were thrown out there in the last uh, six or eight months or year, whenever it was they announced they are going to change it. And I think the, the biggest names that were being discussed were uh, the Guardians, which is what they went with, the Rockers, because obviously Cleveland is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, there in, in town, and then also the Spiders, which was their uh, – nickname you know 80 or 90 years ago whatever it was so so i think if you had to pick i mean those are all three solid choices and i think if you had to make a a choice you know i I like it i think it sounds really cool 
it still has the same kind of ring to it, you know, Indians and Guardians. You, you can kind of hear a little bit of a similarity in terms of the way the name sounds. Um, and I don't know what their color scheme or what their logo, you know, specifically is going to look like, but I would imagine for someone who is, you know, maybe a diehard fan, that they'll probably keep, for the most part, the same color scheme. I mean, you look at the, the Washington football team, they've already come out and said, hey, we're going to keep our same colors, which I think at the very minimum, that's probably the smart thing to do because you keep everybody interested. It, you don't have to change too much of, you know, what your uniforms look like as far as the, the color schemes go. So, you know, I, and I think the other side of things, too, from a being a capitalist perspective, if you will, now you get to sell all this new merchandise and everyone's going to want to have a hat that has the Guardians on it and they're going to want to have a, a shirt and they're going to want to have a jersey and they're going to want to have a, you know, uh, 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 pennant and all these other things that you can get. So, so I think from that perspective, you know, they made a good choice on the name because here's the thing. Your name's going to stick around for quite a long time. And so you don't want to pick a bad name where, you know, 10 or 20 years later, you're like, wow, we probably should have picked this instead. So, so from that perspective, I think I give, uh, give them a lot of credit. Yeah, and I saw the logo. It, it doesn't look really – it actually looks pretty cool with the G and the baseball. It's very similar to what they have now with the baseball in the background. And I think it's going to be a cool thing. They're going to have nice-looking uniforms, and they're going to keep the color scheme, which is – which I agree with. You don't. You, know, you just have to change your name. You don't have to change the color scheme. You know, I th- I thought the Rays, they went to the nice blue. The the, which, I wouldn't say that was really their colors prior to, but you don't. You're not required for you to change your colors. You know, it it, it looks good it, to me. If someone didn't tell you they changed the names, and you just looked at the logo, you might actually miss it. But it is it's. It's really cool how they have the G. I love the name. Well, I, think, uh, I think the thing, too, between, between the two clubs, you, you mentioned the Rays there, and they were, of course, the Devil Rays before. The difference, I think, between what Tampa did and what Cleveland did was our, Tampa did a complete rebranding of their whole entire franchise. They had a new, newer ownership group. Um, they wanted to just kind of almost blow everything up and start over from scratch. And they don't have uh, Tampa, you know, they don't have nearly the history in terms of baseball that Cleveland has. So changing their name, their logo, and even, you know, overall their color scheme wasn't such a big thing. Now, if you go to a team that's traditional, like if you go to the Yankees and you say, okay, now we're going to be, you know, uh, Cardinal Red and White, you know, people are going to be out in the streets, you know, pretty upset about it in the Bronx. So, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, there was a rumor, and I remember hearing this rumor probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, when the Pirates were getting ready to build their new uh, their new park, which is 20 years old now, of course. But the, the, the drawings they had released, or the artist renderings they had released of that park, the seats and the, the way that the stadium was designed was a different color. And there was a lot of thought that the Pirates might change their, their uh, gold and, and black colors. And that, I mean, Pittsburgh, all three of their sports teams are gold and black. So, you know, I think people would have been up in arms over a team with more of a long-standing tradition or long-standing history. But a team like Tampa, you know, hasn't been around that long. They were only 10 years old, changing their color scheme and their complete uniform setup. 
really did them no harm. And that actually, I think it really, really benefited them in the long run. Oh yeah. I, I love the, the new color scheme. I love the look. You're right. They went through a, more of a rebranding. I would say that you're correct on that. than what the Cleveland is going to do, you know, it's going to be pretty much keeping the same colors, changing the logo. And, and that's, that's really all you have to do is change the name. You know, you're not really required to change your colors. It's nice if you do, if you want to, if that's better in your marketing. <clears throat> but to me, it, it's, you know, the name, changing the name and keeping it positive, I think it builds character and builds positive karma to your team. I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland has a, a very, very good, very good year because, you know, you're going to get fans. They're going to be interested in seeing the uniform, seeing the logo. They want to be a part of something new. You know, when the Indians started many, many years ago, now you're going to have the Guardians. I, like you said, I thought you had a great point. It doesn't sound like when you hit a name, it doesn't sound too far off. And now you, you say you're having a name that, you know, no one's going to be offended by. I think it's always a positive thing. And I'm glad they did change the name. And they went ahead and, and did it for positive reasons. They, they kept their word that they were going to change their name. I know they announced it months ago. And it was just out of the blue in the middle of the season. They said they were going to change it to Guardians. And I saw the logo. It looks pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is really neat. And I'm sure that they'll have some some alternates in there, too. That That's one thing that I've noticed about not just baseball, but you look at a lot of uh, different sports teams. This goes to the college sports, too. You know, you got to make money. That, that's that's how you pay these guys all these you know huge salaries that they make. And so the one thing that happens every single year in spring training, or if you look at NFL training camp, you go online right now, they have a new designed cap or hat every year for training camp. And they have the one for the sidelines. They have one for the the locker room. I mean, you could buy ten hats every year for each team. And so they they keep bringing in that revenue. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying before, you know, we, we, we do live in a capitalist society and that's the great thing about it is you keep spinning these things out and people want to buy it and they want to have that merchandise. So, um, you know, that's kind of where it all kind of begins. And, you know, that's where fans really, really connect there. I think. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, to your point, I went to the Bucks draft day. This was a few years back. This is way before they won the Super Bowl, And, and I had bought a – I went to a store, and I had bought one of their new polo shirts, right? I wear it to this draft day, and I go up the escalator, and the lady's telling me that I'm wearing last year's edition. And I'm like, what? You know, like, <laughs> yep. you know, like – and I'm like, no, I just bought this, this shirt like a, a month or two ago. It couldn't be. But lo and behold, they did change some things, and it, it was – it wasn't the brand newest one out. It's like the iPhone, you know. Yep. They changed. As soon as you get it, it's already obsolete. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said that to me, and I was like, "I'm the only one wearing a golf polo buck shirt, and she's already dissing me." Well, I, I look yeah. at it this way: that, that's a, that's already a classic when you buy it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. So I was like, you know, I can't keep up with this merch. It's not cheap merch either. Nope. <laughs> it definitely is not. I can give you that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I want to go into a couple other topics here tonight. I know that uh, right now, uh, started here a week ago tonight, we have the Olympics going on over in Japan. And a lot of stuff going on, a lot of different sports. And I, uh, unfortunately, just been as busy as I've been. Haven't really been able to keep up with the Olympics this time around. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, But there was a big, big thing that happened. And if anyone hasn't really been paying close attention, um, we'll break the news here to you tonight. Uh, One of the top gymnasts in the world, actually for the United States, uh, pulled out of the competition this past week. And there's been a lot of controversy about it. There's been a lot of people saying this, that, or the other, a lot of opinions thrown out there. And so we figured tonight we would talk a little bit about our opinion on, well, what happened? What, What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I did actually follow the talking about Simone and, and the story. At first, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, to your point, she is, um, I mean, you know anything about the Olympics and gym, gymnastics, Simone Biles' name comes up. I mean, she is, she is the GOAT. She is an incredible gymnast, something that's very demanding, not easy to do. You put your body at risk when you do those stunts and those flips. And for her to be year, you know, Olympic after Olympic, the one, all those gold medals, to me, you know, I'm going to take a couple moments to explain this. For me, Simone has built up what I would call sweat equity, meaning she put her heart and soul into the Olympics. She represented her country well. She's done her part as being somebody who's won a lot of gold medals. First thing that came out with the story was that she had a leg injury. You know, after her first her first outing, she had a leg injury. Then later on, it came to light that it wasn't really the leg injury that kept her from competing. It was something deeper than that. It was her mental health. And where I come out on this is, I can't really bash her because of that. It, it's it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, the reason why I'm, I'm taking a couple moments to explain this is that I couldn't bash on that because she does have sweat equity. She does. She's not a first-time competitor, you know, competition in the Olympics. She knows what she's getting into. She has experience. She has a lot of experience, and a lot of people call it a goat for that reason. To me, she's built up sweat equity. She knows herself, and she knows her body better than anybody, regardless of what I think or what other people think. She knows herself and her body. And if you're not mentally right and the pressure is too great for you and you're not mentally right, then you're just not mentally right. And in other sports, maybe you go out there and just give it a go and see how it goes. But at the same token, this is a sport where you can hurt yourself and, and even death, you know, being a gymnast. So I, w- I was disappointed, you know, as a, as a person who roots for our country that, she pulled out, but I understand it. I just feel as if nowadays, unfortunately, you hear it so much about people pulling out of mental health. It almost feels as if it's a crutch for a lot of athletes, not just, you know, go ahead and talk about Simone. When boxers pulled out of fights because of mental health, you have her, you have tennis player pulled out because of mental health. It's becoming more of the trend. And, if she wasn't right, she wasn't right. I can't fault her for that. And she has sweat equity, in my opinion. But it, it's just, it, you know, she didn't want to hurt the team. I just, the only question I would have for her is, 
would this have been any different if your first outing was outstanding? She didn't. She had a very subpar first outing, which doesn't mean that it's the end all be all. But she had a poor start, and then she pulled out. I would have asked her, would this have been any different had you had an outstanding start? That's my only question I would have for her. Yeah, and I agree there. And I, I think um, you know, here's the thing: when you're famous, especially when you're an athlete and one in the top of your sport, you're going to get praise and criticism. And some people are lucky and get a lot more of the praise and some are unlucky and get a lot more of the criticism. So I think there's some fair points made on both the praise and the criticism side. I think that where the criticism that I tend to agree with, and I don't know all the facts on the story. There's probably some things we don't even know about yet publicly, but if I could say where I do kind of agree with some of the criticism, it's okay. Kind of what you mentioned there, you know, originally it was injury and then it was the, the mental health thing. And it very well could be both. I mean, we don't really know, so I'm not going to make a judgment call on that. But I think that when you're in that big of a spotlight, the important thing is is not to make – and I, I, we talk about this all the time. It's the knee-jerk reaction decisions that sometimes are the ones that blow up in your face. And so I'm wondering if maybe the decision – to say I'm going to pull out and use the injury part of it as the reason initially, if maybe, maybe that should have been thought through, maybe they should have given it a, a day or two to kind of make sure that was really what was going on. Cause I think that to a lot of people who are going to be critical, they're going to look at it and say, well, you know, you blamed it on this first and now you're blaming it on this now. So my hope is too, because you know, mental health is a very important thing. And we all know that. I don't want to see somebody potentially use that as a, as a crutch. And I'm not saying in this case that she did that, but you know, I think you have to be very, very careful. And I think it's just more one of those things, again, where before you put an official announcement out there as to why you're pulling out, you know, make sure that you have really thought through that, that result of why you decided to do so. But, you know, the Olympics are going pretty well. I mean, we're halfway or so through the, through the, uh, the, the two week period there. And, I'm not sure what the medal count is right now. I haven't seen it in the last uh, two days or so. Um, there's been some disappointment in some of the U.S. Uh, some of the U.S. teams, the soccer team has had their issues, um, you know. But uh, hopefully, we see some uh, some more gold medals won here before too long. No, absolutely. You know, we're doing great. I mean, there has been some, like I said, some disappointments. But hey, you know, it's it, it's not easy competing in Olympics. You got a lot of pressure on yourself. There's a lot of things going on. And, you know, it's once every four years, <laughs> you know, and just a side note, my wife is already making plans for us to attend the next Olympics. So it's one of the things that will be here before you know it. I did want to say I do wish Simone the very best, you know, in her endeavors. But you're right. When you make these decisions, I noticed she was defending herself about quitting. You know, a lot of people felt as if she, you know, this was a day or two after this she made the announcement. You know, it, it becomes more of a detriment to your mental health because you have to answer that question and people blasting you on social media because you didn't compete. So it's, yeah. you know, it, it's like a no-win situation. And it's, it's tough to be in her shoes. I noticed she did get a lot of support from Michael Phelps, you know, people who, Gordon McElroy, people who kind of understand where she's coming from, other athletes. I mean, it's tough to be in that, that spotlight, but... 
I just was just I would just feel to ask her would it have been different had you started differently, and also I would ask her how was this Olympics so much more different than the other ones that you've been in? Yes, you're considered the goat, but you've been through this process already. Why was this particular situation a lot more stressful than winning your first one or your second or your third gold? That's the only question I would have for her. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, looking at it from that perspective, that's, uh, that's a very, very good point there. So, um, And next week we will have uh, more updates, of course, on uh, the Olympics as they approach the closing ceremonies here uh, as we go into the month of August. Um, more news to get to. This is probably one of the busiest uh, shows we've had as far as jumping from topic to topic. Um, this has been one that's been going on for about six months now. And uh, Aaron Rodgers has finally reported to Packers camp. Uh, Packers uh, this past week had their um, camp begin. It's kind of traditional up in Green Bay uh, during this last week of July to have the uh, annual shareholders meetings. I was actually up there two years ago. Really neat atmosphere. Players start showing up. They ride their bikes from the training camp uh, field over to uh, to Lambeau Field, and just a lot of very neat uh, things that go on there. And it looks like this has finally come full circle. There's a lot of drama. There's been a lot of um, you know back and forth trade rumors. I'm going to retire. Are they going to go to Jordan Love as their next quarterback now? Uh, looks like finally a lot of that's to, to bed. Unless there's something in the in the in the works that we're not aware of, Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback for the Packers this year. My question, Alan, to you, after almost six months of hosting Jeopardy, going on uh, these uh, really nice vacations to Hawaii, and all this uh, talk about traded here, traded there, retirement, all these other things that have gone on, is this crap finally over? I mean, or, or is this, is this going to blow over, or what's going to happen next? You know, it, I I kind of hope it does blow over. It, you know, it's it's he's in the middle of this drama, and to make the situation worse, his first press conference, he basically let it all hang out. That was a very, how would I say, very transparent press conference where he let it know what was going on with his frustration with his employer, the Green Bay Packers. You know, he wants to be a quarterback, but it, he also, in a way, wants to be a consultant of who they get. And their thoughts is, hey, we're playing you to be quarterback, drop back and throw your passes, shut up and play. We don't care who you want. We're going to do things our way. You got a contract. You got to play. That's their stance. You understand? And I hope it is over. The reason why is because at least there is a decision made. The Packers are going to go with Aaron. They're, they're going to stick with him for at least another year. You don't have a backup quarterback is wondering whether he's going to get love, he's going to get his shot or not. You understand? There isn't that guessing game of what's going on anymore. At least we have a, a finally a decision of what's going to happen next. The Packers are now knowing that, hey, you can buy a ticket and see Aaron Rodgers show up. You can wear a jersey with his name on it and still be valid. 
You understand? At least that ambiguity of who's getting the throw is over. So I'm glad it's over. I do fault both sides in this drama. I do fault mm-hmm. the Packers. I also do fault Aaron Rodgers on this drama, too. There's fault on both sides. This should have been nipped in the bud months ago. A lot of ego got involved in this. A lot of I'm right, you're wrong type of thing. And it it, it seemed like it's it's kind of they're putting it to bed because they are going to go ahead and sign Cobb. They're going to make guys, you know, give him some weapons. At least that's what they're saying. He did get a golf cart today. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah. He got a really nice gift. I mean, you can't not you cannot not play now when one of your teammates give you a golf cart that's made by Austin Martin. I mean, you know that thing had to cost money. It's not even a maxed out golf cart. I mean, it is. Yeah. But there's even more that are more maxed out. But the fact that it's made by Austin Martin, right there, you know it's expensive. So. <laughs> You know, I, I think they're going to put this to bed, but I'm really curious to, to hear what your thoughts are on this Aaron Rodgers saga now that it has come to, he showed up to training camp. I'm pretty sure you heard what he had to say in the press conference. He got the golf cart just in the last 48 to 72 hours. What are your thoughts on this whole tobacco? Well, I've, um, I've remained 100% consistent my entire time on this uh, since it all started. Um I look at it this way, and, and look, let's, let's pull one thing out of here on this that we haven't talked about. Had the Packers won the Super Bowl in the last two years, especially this past year with the great team they had, none of this would have happened. I mean, it's a good chance that he would have retired and all this would have been done and over with. He would have been married and all that stuff would have been a, an afterthought. Um, I, I have remained this way since this all started. I don't care who you are. I don't care what sport you play. I don't care. I don't care if you're Michael Jordan. The team decides what they're going to do, and the players play. Now, I'm okay with input from your top players, but you can't be a crybaby when you don't get your way. And I think what Aaron Rodgers, the, 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 the impression that I've got from him the whole entire time was, well, if you just done things my way, we would have won. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think you got outplayed by two, I'm going to be honest with you, pretty damn good teams in in the last two years. You got beat by the Bucks, you got beat by Tom Brady, and you got beat the year before uh, by uh, the 49ers. And, you know, one of those two teams ended up winning the Super Bowl. So, you know, I, I just – to me, it's not you, – you can't let that kind of stuff happen. And I think that – where the Packers are at fault, I agree with you there, is they should have pulled Brett, uh, not Brett Favre, but should have pulled Aaron Rodgers aside. <laughs> Brett Favre was 15 years ago and all that stuff happened with him. Yeah. So with, 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 uh, with Rodgers, though, they should have pulled him aside when all this stuff started before it got out publicly, and they should have said, you know what, let's find some common ground here because now what you're doing, this is like somebody going online and complaining about their – boyfriend or their girlfriend or their husband or their wife. Now, now you're getting the media and the, the fans involved. And I can't tell you how many Packers uh, Facebook fan groups I'm a part of where there is no middle ground. You'll see one person who posts about, you know, forget the front office. They don't know what they're doing. It's all Aaron Rodgers. Last time I checked, Aaron Rodgers, when he retires, Packers are going to move on. They're not going to, you know, they're not, they're not going to, you know, disappear and go into thin air. So 
you know, I just I, I feel like if there's if there's a, a, a assignment of blame to put on this, ninety percent of it is is Aaron Rodgers and ten percent of it is the Packers. Because I think the Packers probably let it go on for too long. The fact that it came out in the first place, they had no control over that because of the way he, he went about doing it. They should have addressed it privately after it came out, and then none of this may have boiled up to where it did. At the end of the day, if the Packers go out and win the Super Bowl this year, I guarantee you nobody will remember this. People will, this will be under the rug like it never happened. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I see it going. And, yes, I do hope it's done. I hope it's over with. It, it's been such a – it's been such a drag for the last several months. I mean, there's been very little positive stuff coming out of Green Bay. You've heard about all these, you know, I'm going to retire. I'm going to do this, you know. So, yes, I'm going to agree with you there. I'm glad it looks like it's finally over. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, from a fan point of view, you know, I know you're a big Packer fan. It's, and I, I totally agree with you. The, the Packers were a very, very, very good team. But I just felt as if, Team-wise, the Bucks were just a little bit better all around, defense, offense, and it's and it's not like they were worlds better, but they were good enough to beat you. And Aaron didn't have his best game. You know, he didn't play poorly, but it wasn't his best performance. And he was getting a bit predictable as who what you're gonna do. So predictable to the point where I was telling my son, watch. They're going to throw it to Adams. Like, I was even telling him, what, watch this guy right here. Watch him go across. They're going to try to force it to him. It was getting predictable yep. to that point where I was even saying the next day when he – and I'm not – I mean, I know about football, but there's people who are bigger gurus than I am, and I can even tell you what the next play was going to be. And lo and behold, that's what they were doing. So you were getting a little predictable – I'm hoping that they get you another receiver, but it's one thing that they get another receiver, but you also have to look at another receiver too. You understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. this quarter, that lock on a guy that they really love, and they won't look off him. Davis Woodson did that with Mike Evans. Yes, he's a stud, but you just can't lock on one receiver. Even they had Vincent Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So – I agree with you. I, I, I do think more, one thing that I did learn through this whole drama <clears throat> is that Aaron plays it cool. He's not a flashy guy with dressing and the way he goes about his business. He's very like one of the comments they even said, this guy, this, why does this guy always look like he's homeless? Even that golf cart is is really cool, but it's not even average style because it's flashy. He's very, very hippie, low-key guy. But one thing that I did learn about this whole process is that Aaron Rodgers has a huge ego, man. I mean, I know you're great. I know you're the man. I get all that. But if they're not taking your input, you just got to move on and just play your game. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, that's my thought on that. Yeah, I think that wraps it up right there. I think that's uh, pretty much, you know, pretty much uh, the end of it. Hopefully, and and hopefully again, uh, you know, what'll sweep it under the rug is going out and winning a Super Bowl here in, in 2021. So, um, 
you know, NBA is uh, is done. Obviously, congratulations to Milwaukee. Uh, about a week and a half, uh, actually two weeks ago now, they uh, pulled off uh, the big comeback and they they went from two games to the none down and won the NBA Finals. And now we're starting to see uh, the player movement. And before we get into this uh, big finding the Lakers made, it reminded me, it was 25 years ago last week, and I was at that time, I won't say how old I was, I was a teenager, and <laughs> being a Central Florida native, I was actually on vacation down in Pompano Beach, it was right before the Olympics in 96 started in Atlanta, and a big part of Central Florida sports decided to take his his game out to Los Angeles in uh, in Shaq, uh, going out to L.A., and I would love to get Shaq on the program sometime, by the way. Hopefully, uh, we're able to one day make that a realization. But um, it was 25 years ago last week that that all, uh, all went down. I actually remember being down uh, in, uh, in Pompano Beach and turning on ESPN, and it was all over the news. Shaq signs this uh, huge $100 million deal with the Lakers. And so here in the last few days, the Lakers have signed uh, Russell Westbrook, and I wanted to get your take um, on, uh, on that happening there for, uh, for L.A. Yeah, I mean that you know to, to your point, Shaq was a big move, and and I would love to have Shaq on the on our show. He's a hell of a guy, great personality, and this this move was kind of shocking that they were able to land Russell Westbrook. But I think this is a fantastic move for both sides. I really do because with the Lakers, you have an opportunity now where you can save some of the mileage on LeBron. LeBron doesn't have to be the guy that's, you know, driving to the basket every other play. And yeah. you release pressure off of AD too. You know, you have to kind of do maintenance. And Russell Westbrook, he has a great opportunity for the, you know, he has, I wouldn't say his best opportunity to get a ring because he had a couple of really great opportunities to get a ring. But I would have to say this is a great opportunity for him to place himself into being right in the mix of getting a ring. You know, he has a lot to prove now that can he play in a system? Can he play with other superstars that are on the same page as him? Can he play with LeBron? You know, and and he has a lot to prove too, Russell, but I think he can meet those challenges. And I think this is a great move all around for, for the Lakers to have gotten him because if they don't get Russell Westbrook, Come next year, I don't see them doing much better. I mean, they probably would do better to make it. I don't see them exiting the first round of the playoffs, but I don't see them making it the whole run to make it to the finals. But now that they have Russell Westbrook, barring injury, LeBron gets his rest. They don't overwork him. I think now they're, they're right there where they can be a contender. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think it's a great point. You know, sometimes when you bring in a younger player um, that has – you know, more energy and, you know, they're maybe a little bit different style. You can take a lot of that focus off of that player who everyone's looking at, you know, and, and, and so you don't have to have LeBron out there for the entire game. You, you can let him get, uh, you know, 10 or 12 minutes of rest throughout a ball game. So I think that's a really important thing there. Um, and, you know, let's face it, guys aren't going to last forever. And, you know, we talked about this on the show probably six weeks ago or maybe further back that, you know, LeBron is, he's not getting any younger. He's 37, 38 years old now. 
so his days are numbered. He, he's going to be, you know, retired in the next couple of years. So I think it's very important if he really wants to make a push to win another NBA finals that, you know, you get some youthful or younger players rather around him that can take some of that pressure off and he doesn't have to play that role of the star anymore. He's the biggest name on the team by far, but he does not have to be the, the, uh, the workhorse that he's been in the past. And I think you can kind of pass that on to those other guys and, you know, Russell Westbrook will be a big part of that. You're absolutely right. And, and, and LeBron, he may not admit it as much as he should, but the older veterans, they need that rest. They need, you've seen what happens with Barry Bonds <clears throat> when he would never play a day-night game. You need that rest. I mean, no matter how productive you are, it's about being efficient and limiting minutes that you don't need to be on the court. So I think it's a great move for the Lakers. In fact, I think they have a very, very good opportunity to do to go deep in the playoffs. And if they can, they can give LeBron – some rest, which I think they should be able to now that they got Russell, who a guy who can create his own offense too, where he doesn't have to drive every single moment to the basket. I think this is a huge, huge uh, pickup for, for LeBron. It's a blessing, and that may give him an opportunity to get another ring. And I feel when it comes to that GOAT conversation, LeBron versus Jordan, I do think LeBron, in order to kind of close the gap and make it very, very close for people's eyes, I think LeBron has to get another ring. He has to kind of get – he doesn't have to tie Jordan in rings, I don't feel, in order for them to say who's better, but I think he has to at least get one more ring. He has to have at least five. And I think if he has five, yes, he'll have the same amount as the late, great Kobe, but I do think with his whole body of work and his whole career, he would make a very interesting case. Without that extra ring, having four, I think it's less of a case to make. Yeah, I mean, at the same point, you know, what is he playing for if he's not playing to win a title at this point? You know, I mean, you know, you think about it this way, and, and the best way to go out would be like Peyton Manning did or like John Elway did. You win a Super Bowl and you retire. You win a championship and you retire. You know, you could look at Jordan and say, well, he, he did that technically. He did it twice, really. He did it in 93 and he did it again in 98. And then he came back and played for the Wizards, which we all want to forget. But you know, <laughs> why? You know, it, it's just it's just like uh, it, it's just like uh, you know, uh, Herm Edwards said, you play to win the game, right? I mean, <laughs> you want to you want to win a championship, and if you're not if you're not striving for that, I don't care what game you're playing, whether it's basketball, hockey, football, baseball, whatever. You know, if you're not playing to to win a title, then retire. You know, <laughs> you're done. You know, there's no point in even being out there. So, um, but yeah, I would hope he's, he's giving it his all, and I don't think that's the case at all. I think he um, he certainly is going to go out there. And I think this is probably a big weight off his shoulders for 2022, 2020, or 2021, 2022, um, to, to have another great talent joining him there. Um, you know, and I think that if, if you look at it this way in comparison um, – you know, again, we talked about him being kind of towards the end of his career. This is just like, you know, somebody like Peyton Manning being in a new situation and getting a new receiver coming in that's going to help out the team or a new running back. You know, you're you're able to say, hey, I don't have to do all these things I was doing here this past year. I have somebody else to kind of lean on. So, so I think that's going to be a, a big thing for them. And 
I wouldn't be shocked if the Lakers were picked to win the, the NBA Finals next year based on this move alone. I agree. I totally agree. And you brought up a great point with Peyton Manning that the year that he did get the Super Bowl, he wasn't the same Peyton Manning we used to know with the, you know, the rocket arm throwing it 30, 40 yards out of field in stride and catching the guy. No, he was basically just a, as they would say, a manager. He just didn't hurt the team by throwing picks. He threw very short passes. Very low maintenance. You know, they had a great defense, great running game. He stayed, you know, he he admitted, you know, that he wasn't the same guy. You know, he, he lost some velocity on his arm. And that's what happens with, when you get older. You you know, you, things change. So, yeah. Well, and, and in, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say long, longevity in any sport is, is going to be co- constantly reinventing yourself because just like any competition – you know, whether it's in the sports or in the business world, you're always going to have somebody out there who's trying to one-up you. And so I'll use uh, Tom Glavin, Hall of Fame pitcher, as an example. Earlier in his career, you know, he could throw the ball a little bit harder than he did at the end, but he realized, and Greg Maddox is really the same way, if I can outsmart the hitter and change the speeds that I'm throwing at, that's going to give me the ability to pitch for an extra seven, eight years. So it's that same mentality. And Peyton Manning did it really well, and, and I think uh, LeBron will do it well. If you can manage yourself and, and look at your, your secondary things that you do really well and start depending on those things more, it opens up those opportunities to play longer. And there's been guys who haven't done that. And, you know, you can think about, um, you know, trying to get somebody off the top of my head that played longer than they should have. And at the end of their career, you know, they really looked bad. And that's because they didn't really, they didn't really take that time to reinvent what they were doing. So you got to be kind of careful there. And I think uh, if LeBron plays his cards well, as long as of course he can stay healthy, he might be able to play another three or four years. Who knows? No, you're right. I mean, you never count LeBron out. You know, he's, he's the guy that's done some wonderful things in basketball. I did see, Space Jam 2. <laughs> I did see it now about three times with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, 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 I never saw the first one. I'll be real honest with you, and I'm sure I'll get some critics for that. Um, I don't really have much of an interest in seeing the second one because I haven't seen the first one, so I can't really go see the second one without seeing the first one first. But I did hear that it kind of it kind of was a dud, unfortunately. is that uh, You've seen it three times now. Is that true? I did think it was a. I did hear that criticism. I, I think people who are not LeBron fans took the opportunity to jump in that pool of let me throw some darts and shade on LeBron. I watched the movie. I watched the first one and I watched the second one. And I would have to say LeBron did a very very good job. I mean, he's not going to win an Oscar for it, but you know what? <laughs> <laughs> he did. He played the role very well. He stole. When I look at it, acting is did you sell the part? Did you sell mm-hmm. the role? And I felt as if he did. He did sell the role. Remember, he's the actor. He's not the director. He's not the film scripter. He's not the person who wrote the film. So you can't give him unwarranted criticism. He's not the director of the film. You understand? Warner Brothers is the one who was the mind behind the film. He yeah. actually did a good job. People have to remember, it is a kid's movie, meaning it's geared for kids not adults. I thought it was a very good time for the kids. The kids love it. They watched it several times. <clears throat> they actually voted 
I asked the kids because they watched, you know, uh, Space Jam 1 and they saw Space Jam 2. They saw both of them multiple times. I asked them, which one did you prefer? They said Space Jam 2. And (laughs) (laughs) I thought he did a very good uh, job. I thought it was a very good movie. I didn't think that they made him somebody into somebody who's not remotely. I thought they did a very good job, and I <clears throat> I don't think the movies are done at all. I think that's just people who just – what LeBron unfortunately gets a lot is because people really do recognize that LeBron is moving into the Michael Jordan category because, remember, the only Space Jam movie that was made was, was about Michael Jordan. Now you have 20 years later – Part two, and it's about LeBron James. I think people who are just, they hate the fact that LeBron James is in the conversation of being the GOAT. And I think that's what it is. They want to say that Michael Jordan is the GOAT, and they really don't want anybody even in like a distant second. But LeBron makes it hard for you not to recognize him as being in that category. Even this movie, having a Space Jam 2. I know Michael Jordan is like, how did they make a sequel, I mean, without me? And that's what they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought it was a very good movie. They did a very good job. I'm not going to play spoiler about the movie, but the only thing I'm just going to say is I didn't agree with Warner Brothers throwing every single character that they had to get a plug. I guess they figured, hey, <laughs> we got COVID going on. Let's let's just throw it all out there and use and put any character in there to get a plug. That's the only thing I would say, but that's not LeBron. That's not his fault. That was the director, whoever created the movie. LeBron did a very good job and people just give it him criticism, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Go check out Space Jam 2 and see for yourself. The kids will love it. I'll say like that. My kids love it and they think Space Jam 2 is better. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good movie. So that's an official uh, endorsement there for the movie from uh, from Alan and his uh, and his kids too. So, <laughs> 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 last thing we want to get to tonight here. I know we have been through so many topics. We've been on the NFL, the Olympics, the NBA, um, Major League Baseball. Now we're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, here tonight. Uh, kind of a throwback, former NFL player former college star, former Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Reggie Bush, and should he be allowed to retain his Heisman Trophy? I know there's been a lot of talk about this over the last probably five or six weeks. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, Reggie Bush, that name, this is so cool. And Reggie Bush, during his collegiate years, was the baddest thing out there. I mean, this guy would do flips in the end zone, Outstanding running back. Didn't quite transfer all of those skills in the NFL. But you know what? Reggie broke the rule. I mean, I as much as I really enjoy Reggie, I, I think he's a really cool guy. I actually have a Reggie Bush jersey that I had bought when he was playing for the Saints. He's the only Saints player that I have a jersey of. And... <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm a big Reggie Bush fan. I would love for Reggie Bush to take time out and voice his opinion on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. I know that he he tweets about this subject a lot. 
And he, you know, it, it's a sticking point for him. I could definitely tell that. He was bad to the bone in college, and he deservingly won the Heisman. He, you know, he, he was not the best player in college that year. Having said all that, I don't, I don't know if it's all Reggie's fault, but his family did negotiate a deal on the side, which at the time was not allowed in NCAA rules. And, you know, he, he did take a side gig, take a side deal, if you want to call it. Not that he wasn't bad to the bone, but he broke the rule. I know now, nowadays you're allowed to get some, some money from, like, an endorsement deals. It's kind of restricted. You just can't take side deals like what he did. What I understand he did was something very different than what you're allowed to do now. You are allowed to get endorsements and money, but it's not to what Reggie did. So do I think he broke the rule and probably should not get back as Heisman? As much as I love Reggie, yes, I agree with the NCAA. You broke the rule. When you break rules that you know are in place, to me, you become a victim of your decision. And sometimes people do not give you mercy in that decision. They don't give you forgiveness in that decision. It may not be fair, but if you know a rule is in place and you decide to break it, for a personal gain or whatever it is, you kind of get the hand that's dealt with you. And yep. as much as I love Reggie Bush, I, I would have to say, no, he doesn't deserve to get it back. But in my eyes, he's still the Heisman Trophy winner of that year. But him getting the trophy, I think it's going to be a hard sell for him. What are your thoughts, Aaron? I, I think we agree 100% on that one, uh, on that point, uh, point there. I, you know, and I agree, you know, at the time, that was the rule that was in place. And you know, obviously we have a different world here now, 15 or 16 years later, where this kind of stuff is, is now allowed. Um, but again, you know, it, it's just like saying, to, to me it's no different than saying, well, 15 years ago the speed limit was 30, and yeah, I was doing 45, but today they upped it to 45. I can't go back and say, well, let's get rid of that speeding ticket. So you got to go with the rule that was in place at the time. You may not like it, but no, I agree 100%. You know, he he – it's not like he didn't know the rule was there either. He he knowingly broke the rule, and you, you mentioned too, it was for personal gain. And so he had that decision to make, and whether he thought it through or not, it doesn't matter. He, he, his his direct decision or direct choice was, if I break this rule and I get caught doing it, I'm going to surrender something for it. And it just so happened that's one of the greatest things you can win in college sports, and that's the Heisman Trophy. So So he – put himself in that position and that's kind of where things are now. No, I agree. I, you know, yes. I mean, you put yourself in that position. Don't put yourself in that position. I can't say it was all him. I can't say it was all because I, I did from the fact that I got from that story that his parents had a lot to do with that. It could have been a, a financial struggle on the family. You know, he went to U- USC is not cheap. You know, even though this was 20 years ago, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago, this is about, what, 10, 12 years ago, I know USC is not a cheap school. It could have been financially, <laughs> it could have been financially motivated. I get it. But when you do take these side deals and you accept money, you are breaking the rule. And if you get caught, these are the things like – now, I know that he got caught after the fact, but to me, you know, I think his best bet is just to kind of just let it go, just, just put it out your mind because – you could tell it's kind of eating him up from the inside in. 
the fact that they took away his Heisman. To me, as a fan watching it, that year, Reggie Bush was the best player in college, hands down that year. He was bad to the bone. And he was, in my eyes, the Heisman Trophy winner. He may not have physically the, the, the trophy anymore. He may have been stripped from it. But I'm telling you, he was the, high, he was the best player in college that year. Very prestigious award. It sucks for him. But, you know, I would say at this point, just put it out your mind and move on because it's going to be a hard sell. You broke, you broke the rule. I mean, unfortunately, yes, it, they are going to allow some of that stuff now to go on. But back then it was not allowed, and you knew it wasn't allowed. You and your – and, again, I can't say it's all of Reggie because I know it's – what I, the fact I got was that his family had to do with this. His agent had to play a part in this too. It wasn't just Reggie, but you are representative. It's kind of like an employer. You, you're the, the brand. The people that work for you represent you too. And if they force you or they, of course, fear you into making a bad decision, ultimately it's going to lie on you. I would love to have, hear Reggie's thoughts on everything. In fact, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach out. You've got my word on the Alan and Aaron Sports and Radio Show. I'm going to reach out to Reggie Bush because I am a fan of Reggie Bush. I have Reggie Bush's autograph and I have his jersey here. And I would love to hear his thoughts on what his on everything and see how what's he up to. And um, definitely, and I would love to have Re- Reggie Bush on our show. And I'm going to ask him to, to be a guest on our show. Absolutely. We'd love to have him on sometime and, and certainly uh, be a great guest for us to have. So, well, it's been a great night, Alan. Uh, we've uh, gotten to a lot of topics. Um, and uh, certainly, again, uh, probably one of the busiest shows, busiest uh, hours plus we've had since we started, uh, really. I mean, just to, to go through all these topics so quickly here tonight and, and, um, and be able to to, uh, to look at how things have changed in the last couple of weeks and really the last uh, 48 hours in baseball, uh, I think that a lot of these deals that happened for these teams in the last two days or so will um, will hopefully, I think, for two teams at least, they'll change their, their trajectory and they'll end up uh, playing in the World Series. So uh, anything else you want to add here tonight? Yeah, I did. I, I definitely wanted to um... – Wish Tyler Redman, you know, a former guest, he just had a birthday. I tweeted him happy birthday on his on Twitter. He, he liked it and said, you're welcome. He, he had a birthday this week. I want to give Tyler his uh, birthday shout-out. Happy birthday to Tyler. It's not today. It was just a couple of days ago. And, and I wanted to get your thoughts real quick on the Alan and Aaron Sports and Greatest Show. How was that meeting of meeting Tyler? It was really good, uh, really good. I actually uh, went um... – was in Atlanta. Let's see. It was two. Uh, well, last week it was. A, I went Tuesday with uh, just the family, and then uh, Wednesday uh, took my uh, my older two kids uh, to the game. And uh, Tyler actually uh, met us there, and uh, he was a fun guy to hang out with for you know two two and a half hours or so uh, on that uh, on that afternoon. So, um, and then he um, he actually had some contacts uh, around the team and. I know uh, we kind of followed him around a little bit after to see if we maybe ran into anybody. Unfortunately, nobody uh, was around, but, um, you know, we'll hopefully have him on again. I, I've been keeping in contact and actually spoke with him on the phone for a few minutes here today. So, so hopefully we'll have an opportunity to bring him back on uh, maybe, um, maybe in the off season 
when um, you know the winter meetings are going on, we can kind of get a feel for where the player movement will go then uh, for you know trades and findings and that kind of stuff. That's awesome, man. That's that's definitely great to meet another Braves fan and to meet a guest that we had on the show and then meet him in Atlanta. That's a that's a real cool thing, man. That's a great experience and yeah, definitely. I'm glad to hear that you and see that you ran into him and. You know, that's that's the, always a great thing to run into another future Braves fan. Well, yeah, absolutely. And somebody who has a show that kind of kind of like ours, uh, his is a little bit different in that it's uh, it's uh, you know he's on camera um, where you can see him. And uh, both you and I have uh, bases for the radio anyway, so it's probably a good thing we do <laughs> the, the radio <laughs> side of it. Um, but uh, no, it's it's neat to have contacts like that, and we're going to have a lot more people like that in the future. I think that we get a chance to kind of, you know, network with, and there may be uh, the ability to lead to some more guests in the future that way. So uh, we'll definitely have to stay tuned there, and then hopefully we can, you know, bring some more uh, individuals on here uh, down the line. So, well, great show tonight, Alan, uh, here again uh, July 30th, 2021. Uh, we'll sign off here this evening. want to thank everyone for listening. If you missed any part of our show tonight, it is, of course, available for uh, replay on uh, iHeartRadio, and I believe it's on iTunes as well. And, of course, we always post our links on our Facebook page uh, there for the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. So for, uh, for Alan, uh, this is Aaron signing off here tonight, and have a great evening, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.